0: I've seen the future of horror. His name is Clive Barker. witnessed, is born, because within these walls, the unholy is unleashed.
1: Dan Aykroyd Podcast. I am your host, Scott White. And so this is a little bit out of the box. Of This is what we would call stretching the Dan Aykroyd Podcast, where the subject that we're working with is very, 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 very lightly connected to Dan Aykroyd. Emmy was like, let's do Hellraiser. And I'm like, but Dan Aykroyd's not in Hellraiser. And she you know, goes, there is a connection
0: you know, between Dan
1: Aykroyd and Hellraiser. I'm pretty sure I said, is... what is it? And she <laughs> goes, I'll tell you when we do the podcast. So what's the connection?
2: Okay, this is exactly how that conversation went. So uh, from my memory completely, because this is where this story originated, uh, Dan Aykroyd was sick with the malaria. And okay, had to go- totally
1: wrong. Wow. He
2: was—he was, he was broken, the bone, or he was something. He was seeing a movie. He went to go see Hellraiser.
1: Okay, so you know what? Let's, <laughs> you know our friend Kristen. Well, guess what? Oh, she's yeah. gonna do. She's gonna do a voiceover right here, telling us what's gonna happen.
2: <gasps> and here's a little info on how Hellraiser influenced Nothing But Trouble. The story was developed after a screening of the 1987 film Hellraiser that producer Robert K. Weiss attended, with Dan and Peter Aykroyd. Weiss had fractured a rib and suggested the three attend a film to take his mind off the injury, but that it couldn't be a comedy because it hurt him to laugh, which is why the Aykroyd brothers chose a horror film. Once the movie started and the three saw the audience laughing at the film, Weiss suggested that they make a horror comedy together, since audiences wanted to laugh and be scared at the same time. (laughs)
1: All right, so that's why. This movie, Hellraiser, that Dan Aykroyd saw with his brother and his agent with the broken ribs. malaria ribs close. That's why he made the movie Nothing But Trouble. After they saw this movie, people were laughing and scared at the same time. Why don't we make a movie where people laugh and are scared at the same time? So Hellraiser led to the movie Nothing But Trouble. And Nothing But Trouble, I did a podcast with Kristen and our friend Emily. So that is on here if you want to go back and listen to that podcast. So that's why we're doing Hellraiser. That is the the, the tenuous link between Hellraiser and Dan Aykroyd. The loosest of all connections. Also, I was super
2: confused because I... Remember you telling me the story about Nothing But Trouble? And I totally missed the part that we were going to actually talk about Hellraiser because Dan Grid has literally nothing to do with the actual movie Hellraiser, except that he saw it and I also saw it. So that's something that we haven't talked about. Did you about.
1: make a movie based on it? Yes. We'll, we'll do that one next time.
2: Great. I have time to make a movie.
1: So Hellraiser, 1987, directed and written by Clive, Clive Barker. Barker. Who it was based on his short novella, uh, "The Hellbound Heart." Mm-hmm. Clyde Barker has only directed two movies: this one and another one. And if I looked it up, but the name escapes me. The reason he directed this movie is he wrote a movie called "Rawhead Rex." <laughs> Have you seen "Rawhead Rex"?
2: No, but I forgot that that movie existed. I've heard of it.
1: Yes, it's it's a cult classic now, but it's not for the right reasons. He saw that movie. And he said, I can do better. That's where we get Hellraiser. To take the link back even further, the reason we have nothing but trouble is because of Rawhead Rex. Because Rawhead Rex led to Hellraiser, which led to nothing but trouble.
2: Okay. That's a lot of, that's a lot of very, very loose connections for this movie. I'm actually really excited to talk about Hellraiser because this is one of my favorite horror movies.
1: I watched it last night, and that was the first time I, I saw it since I saw it in the theater.
2: Wow, really? In
1: 1987, so I was 18 at the time, mm-hmm. so this was probably one of the first rated R movies I was able to see by myself. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, Hellraiser, made in 1987, directed by Clive Barker, cost $1 million to make, made about $14 million, so it was a moderate hit, and it has led to the Hellraiser franchise. And those are also which, $1987, so that's. $1987, like, yes. yes. That not bad at all. Not no, bad at all. Not too shabby. On a $1 million budget, yes, this was considered a hit. Yeah. And the Hellraiser franchise has become one of the most disappointing franchises <laughs> in movie history. The first one is, people consider that, you know, a horror classic. The second yeah. one is solid, not too... Solid. S- solid still connected. Sequel. Still connected to the first one. Yeah. But what happened with this film series was, they would take spec scripts... And just insert Pinhead in them.
2: Oh, that makes so much sense. Because I think, obviously, one and two are the best ones. Three is not good, but it's fun. Four is not great, but it's interesting and kind of still is, like, close enough to where before it goes too off the rails. And then after four, it's just, they all kind of blend together and I don't even know what's happening. They would
1: get a detective script and just insert Pinhead in it. Sure. So, so these were just generic scripts that not new, it's not New Line, New World.
0: Mm.
1: New World would have these spec scripts lying around. It's like, well, let's, we have Pinhead, let's just get it. Because there's like, not including the reboot, which happened this year.
2: Oh, that's right. They did. And I did watch it. I forgot that. Wow. I forgot that I watched it. Shows how much of an impression there's like
1: eight or nine. There's like, ten, there's a lot oh, of them. Yeah, there's a lot. Hellraiser, we're going to talk about the movie. We're going to talk about the movie. But what cool. Hellraiser, Halloween, and Nightmare on Elm Street all have in common is they started off, all three of the originals are considered horror classics. Yes. And then from, I guess, you know what? I would say Halloween is more disappointing than Hellraiser. Because the first one... You
2: mean the franchise as a whole? The
1: franchise in itself. Okay. Okay cuz now I don't put Friday the 13th in there because Friday the 13th was just a standard slasher. Mm-hmm. They weren't trying to reinvent anything. In all of these movies in Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and Pin uh, and Hellraiser, something new has been brought to the horror community and then yeah. they just wasted them in the in the sequels. Friday the 13th, it knew what it was. It was a it was a dumb slasher franchise and they just st- and they just stuck with that through the entire Sure, the entire run of the series. Which is
2: probably why Friday the 13th is one of my least favorite horror franchises because it is so just... It's the same movie and it's got some sort of different unique kills and like every once in a while there's something noteworthy like the sleeping bag kill is pretty legendary for horror. But like, as a whole, Friday the 13th just bores me straight through. Um, If you want the fun uh, like campiness and slasher of a camp
1: horror movie, Sleepaway Camp is the way to go. That's an odd... God damn, we're going to be talking about franchise instead of this movie.
2: I mean, the, I don't care about that.
1: The Sleepaway franchise is an oh, odd franchise.
2: Oh, odd, not even... odd
1: franchise. Yeah, we I, won't talk about that.
2: No, I I like to pretend that two, three, and half of four don't actually exist. because No, just... there's, a,
1: there's a four. There's... Did they reboot one again?
2: Because there's like part... Like, they filmed part of four. They filmed
1: not... part of one. Yeah. And that's an entity, but they filmed another four... With Felissa Rose. Really? Yes. And <laughs> it's terrible.
2: Yeah, okay, that sounds about right. Yeah. Because I remember I got the box set as a gift. Do you still have the box set? Uh, I don't... Th- no, I think I got... Oh, shit, is it worth something now?
1: It's worth a lot of money. Fuck! If you, if you still had the box set. <laughs> the box set of Sleepaway Camp is worth a lot of money. Yeah.
2: God damn it. No.
1: All right. Okay, stop it. Stop it. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> no, 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 no Stop no no no. Stop 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 we're talking about. Okay, so Hellraiser. Hellraiser. Right. Okay, we're back to Hellraiser. The movie starts where this gentleman is buying a puzzle box. Uh, it looks like he's in Bangkok or somewhere. Uh, I, w-
2: where he's- I, w- it, I was thinking it reminded me a little bit, um, ambiance wise, of like the opening sequence. Or uh, let me rephrase. It was trying to. I thought it was trying to be a little bit like the opening sequence of uh, The Exorcist, where it's like very otherworldly, kind of like the Iraq sequence is really um, rich and everything to watch, but it was like a little goofier. I never, I never, I guess it it makes sense to Bangkok. In my head, it's Iraq, because it just reminds
1: me of that. But... This guy buys the box, he takes it back to his house, he solves the box, and... Well, there were, were, like, there's a
2: couple little tiny details that I... And because I was watching this movie with, like, a different lens, I noticed things I didn't notice last time. When he uh, does the handoff with the wad of money, he has the dirtiest dirtiest fingernails. Like, a layer, like, a year's worth of dirt just under every single nail. To what I was like, what artistic choice was that just to have this Because
1: I don't understand. Because when you see him back at his house solving the... I was actually looking to see. It's not there. So I don't know... With you, there's a lot of nitpicking continuity, little mm. nitpicking continuity errors in here, and we'll talk about them. Mm. But yes, I noticed that exactly. It's like when a kid is gets out of a sandbox. It's yeah, just...
2: yeah, and like they've been di- like it's just that much dirt. And then the funny thing is, like the the shot of Frank uh, shirtless, all sweating, glistening, and no, and his pants on, with like a perfect little square of candles all around him. Like the image is a very like iconic image. But I was watching this, I'm now thinking like. So he just, like, took the time to light, like, 25 different candles and just set them on <laughs> And then how long has he been doing... How big were the candles? Because he's been doing... He's been working this box for, we-, we assume, hours and hours.
1: Well, maybe that was part of the ritual that we didn't see. Maybe that had to... But then, no, because she... Anyway, yeah, so she opens it without the candles. So I don't know. He opens it up, and then all of a sudden these hooks come flying out and don't go mm-hmm. into his back. This movie is... A combination of of practical effects and computer effects. And this movie, the practical effects are awesome. Yes. Yes. And the computer effects are awful. Well, but the,
2: yes, but also 1987, so. Yes, they did not,
1: I should say they did not age well. How about that? Yes. Yes, correct. uh, The practical effects have aged well. The Mm -hmm. electronic, you know, computer effects have not aged well
2: but also there's not a ton of computer there's effects. not I'm
1: a ton it doesn't it doesn't happen enough to ruin the movie but when you see him it's just like, after
0: uh, after yeah. what you've
1: seen with all the practical effects they've done yeah. it it really it really doesn't help the movie
2: but for the time i'm sure it was really cool but the practical effects are very good they're very yes. visceral like to the point of where i'm like still even though i've seen this movie a million times i'm still like nah. cuz it's just like Hooks tearing through flesh and like you get like close ups of like the kind of viscera and just it's 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 gross and cool and just yeah. And, yeah.
1: So that ha- so he solves the box. These hooks come out. The cinnabites come out. Yes. The cinematography is also fantastic in this mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. And they're in this room where these spinning blocks that just have pieces of flesh nailed and hooked to them. And there's chains hanging and light is going through like shafts of wood it's it's very very well lit and it looks mm-hmm. looks great so we we have the four cenobites which are never named in the movie well, but we know they their are names. yes they go by pinhead, butterball, yep, the chatterer, yep, and girl. No, no,
2: she is deep throat or open throat open throat because she's got like the like, I know open, she's like, got the vagi-
1: she's got the vagina throat
2: excuse me she is a fucking badass
1: she is yeah but when I looked it up it just said girl cinnabite
2: oh well, that's rude that your website sucks what I had had the like, uh, it a was stick.
1: wikipedia it was wikipedia well
2: wikipedia's needs a rewrite right
1: there I'll be right back hold on a second of, <laughs> would you rather would you like to be butterball I'm the butterball cinema Cynib-
2: no but open throat is a way cooler name than
1: girl Wh- cinnabite well yeah I agree
2: so then why are you fighting with me
1: I'm not fighting with you. You're sure. fighting with me. So the Santa and-
2: come in, and he's, like, all torn apart. And the Pinhead comes in and is, like, like doing a j- jigsaw puzzle with Frank's face. He's like, oh, this goes to the corner piece. And they're kind of playing around. And then they pick up the box, and then, like, everything, the room zaps back to normal. He,
1: re- he resets it. He resets it. it. He resets yeah. it. The room goes back to normal. And then we cut to his brother, Larry, and his mm-hmm. wife. What's his wife's name? Julia. Julia. So they are going to move into this house. Apparently, it's their parents' house. We have Larry Cotton and Frank Cotton. Sure. They are the brothers. and yes. And Larry Cotton is the good brother, and Frank Cotton is the bad brother. And then we have his wife, whose name you just said, which I've immediately forgotten. Julia. Julia. Yeah. Julia is... So this movie takes place in New York.
2: Um... Sure. Well, I mean, you know, New York state is quite large, so maybe they live like slight like half an hour, you know, north of the city. This is or... cl-
1: this is clearly England.
2: Well, oh yeah, when they filmed it, for sure, like that. No yes, no, no, <laughs> it's
1: it's clearly England, but they're in New York, New York. because yeah. we want to get away from the Bronx. And... <laughs> no, it's and... clearly filmed in England, but they want to make it but they have a lot of of American actors, or I don't yes. know, that might have been English actors doing American accents, but but Julia ha- is uh, English, mm-hmm. and and I believe some of the men she's picked up are English. But I
2: think I think so, and then I think um, the we haven't gotten to her yet, but the the daughter um, Kirsty, I think like the guy that she has a thing with is, is also it... English, but he doesn't sound English. But they have they have dialogue that makes it sounds like he's English, so yes. that confused me, but also I don't care. Um,
1: so they so go some, into this house, they go yeah. into the house and they're like, we're going to move in. He goes into the kitchen and the kitchen is just covered with maggots and roaches.
2: Oh, it's the most disgusting thing. Like it's like years of just dirt and bugs and yeah. rot is,
1: is nasty. I get, There's and, a lot of symbolism in this movie as well. Sure. A lot of symbolism. Well, she goes upstairs and then she finds... I guess, Frank's bedroom. Initially, they think it's squatters. Mm -hmm. But then they realize it's Frank. Who is sort of squatting. He's sort of squatting. He's squatting in his own house. Larry, his brother, he knows that Frank is a bad guy. And he's like, he's probably on the run. So the phone rings and he's like, what the hell is that? I'm like, (laughs) 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 who could be calling us during the day? (laughs) That is the oddest. (laughs) And then when he answers the phone, he's like, who the hell is this? It's like, what the? But anyway, (laughs) I've never seen somebody so so angry that the phone is rung at two o'clock in the Oh, and this is hilarious. Okay, I forgot. So they're trying to get in the house and the key doesn't work. And she's like, I'm freezing out here. They open the door. It is a (laughs) sunny spring day. It's it's not raining. It's not overcast. It's like I am. And
2: she's wearing a skirt. But that that goes into perfectly the the thing that I was about to say, which is important to note that from the second Julia walks onto the screen, she's just unhappy with everything ever and just has this like constant like sour, just like she's got like like active resting bitch face all the time and you don't quite know why and then you kind of get it very quickly. Then you get it later, yeah. Yeah. Um, But she's just unpleasant the entire way through. I also thought it was weird because I feel like the character Julia is written... As, as though she should be like younger because when we get to some scenes later the way it's portrayed i'm like i feel like this should be like a 20 something doing this sort of scene but you look like 30s
1: late 30s at least well she's age appropriate for her husband sure if it went to a 20 year old i could see that but it's refreshing to see a, a, an age-appropriate couple in a horror movie sure <laughs> or in any movie actually
2: yeah yeah no no the age appropriate thing is good i guess well because when the phone rings and he has the bewildered phone call with uh it's Kirsty, his daughter calling and they do a separate thing but julia's upstairs she finds frank's stuff she finds a photo of frank looking all angsty and like a you know tank top thing and then has this very vivid uh you know flashback that we get to see of where they're back at the house and she's uh opening the front door and it's pouring rain and Frank's there looking all wet and like, you know, angsty again. Like, oh, hey, it's me, it's Brother Frank. And we and we know this is younger Julia because her hair is a little bit longer and she has the She has faint, a mullet. Just, she <laughs> kinda of does. And like a faint smile and like the only time you see her moderately happy. But the whole flashback thing with her and Frank, and then we get to the see that like they had an affair and but that is scene... they
1: had not just that they had an affair. uh uh-huh. They had an affair like the day before the wedding. On the wedding dress. On the wedding dress. Literally on Literally the wedding. On dress. the wedding dress. So this is not just an affair. This is an affair yeah. days before she's about to marry his brother.
2: Yeah. But like but that whole scene she seems so like innocent and virginal and she's got like like she's going like all the uh, 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 and she's got like the white kind of I don't know what to call it. It's like a. It's not a slip. It's not like a romper. It's like a underoone lingerie kind of thing. And she's just like all like trembling, like like it just got the. It, it felt like she had never had sex before. Was that was she might the vibe. Never I never had. Getting. She
1: might have never had good sex before. We
2: get the impression that Frank knows how to fuck. We get the yes because
1: <laughs> Frank's deal is, and we're going to find this out late. Frank's deal is to find the ultimate pleasure in life. Because in all those pictures, he's with different women performing sexual acts with them frank's ultimate goal is to find the ultimate the ultimate passion the ultimate you know i guess the ultimate orgasm if you would something uh, the, the something yes you're right frank knows what he's doing because after they have sex she's like i'll do anything for you yep. at any time so it's like wow that must have been something.
2: but then she marries larry anyway so because i
1: think frank uh, went away so.
2: Sure. That and like Larry was like the nice one, the stable one, the one that had a job. So she's man. Like, if he's...
1: you if anybody if, if any character in movie history is just like the nice guy doormat, it's it's Larry, <laughs> it's Larry in this movie, and he's yeah. uh, Andrew Robinson. It's not. Is it Andrew Robinson? I don't remember the the actor. I know I specific, I know him specifically. He was a uh, Andrew Robinson. Andrew Robinson. It is okay. He usually plays bad guys, and what Does he gets. Yes, he was like what I vividly remember him from the first Dirty Harry movie. He plays ah. he plays the bad he plays a Zodiac killer in the Dirty Harry first movie. And to see him play a nice guy was a nice change of pace. However, and we're going to get to it. Yeah, he gets to do both in this movie. He does. He does. So
2: how, how does that happen? You ask. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. But uh, but also like the contrast between them is so almost comical because Larry is such a nice like just down-to-earth, kind of, like, just whoosh, everything's going over his head. Oblivious, nice guy, and Frank is, like, a dirtbag. Like, he comes in all, like, gross and sexual, and is like, oh, you can let me kiss the bride, and then like, grabbing her and, like, cutting her clothes off with a pocket knife, and just, it's, like, just so icky. It's just, he's icky. He's an icky character. Which doesn't get better as the movie goes no. on.
1: And he's clearly dubbed and I'm like, why is he clearly dubbed? But that's going to become apparent later, too.
2: I don't know why he was clearly dubbed. He, he's,
1: well, I'll tell, when, when we get there, I'll tell you why.
2: Okay. I cannot wait to hear this.
1: It's not going to be as exciting as you <laughs> think it is. We, so we cut down to the phone call between uh, Larry and his daughter. Kirsty. We have the trope where the daughter doesn't get along with the step. This is not her real mom. This is her stepmom. Right, but it's very understandable that she doesn't
2: get along with Julia because Julia's a bitch.
1: And but she's not a bitch in, from what I've seen so far, she's not a bitch in where she's telling her what to do. I think she's just a bitch and she's cold and distant.
2: Yeah, she's she yeah she's very cold. She's very distant. She's very frigid. She doesn't. It just if it, it just and it, maybe it's almost sad, except that we know what happens later, so I don't have that much empathy for her. Mm. But up up until this point, she just feels like a very unhappy person that just kind of made choices that she regrets, but doesn't know how to get out of it. And that would be a sympathetic character, except for everything that's going to happen very shortly yeah. after this.
1: Um, so the dad's like, you know, come on over. And he wants, first of all, he wants his daughter to stay with them. And they're like, no, mm-hmm. I got my own place. Yeah, Apparently she's moving there because she's like, I got my own place. Now I need to find a job.
2: Yeah, they never really explain what happened because Kirsty, I'm guessing is like, Fresh out of college or college age? Because she seems young enough where she could live at home, but old enough where it's okay that she's not living at home.
1: If this is set up in real time, the actress was born in 66, which which would make her about 20 when this movie came out. She probably is in college or she is college age.
2: Yeah, which would also make sense as to, hey, I got a room, I got to get a job now, because if you just graduate college, you don't know what you're doing. Right.
1: (laughs) Then they decide, let's move in. Mm -hmm. And he goes, let's move in on Sunday. Okay, no. What you do is you get an exterminator and you blast that place because that place has maggots, that place has roaches, that place has rats, and they're just going to move in on Sunday? No, no. You get a professional cleaning crew in there and you clean that place. You get that place exterminated. You do not just move in because... From what they they're both doing well in their jobs. They do not need, it's not like it's like, if we don't stay here, we're out on the street. No, they could, they have their means to stay in an apartment, you know, in a, a, a hotel room for a month while yeah. this place gets cleaned and fumigated. So no, you don't move right into this house that is infested with every vermin known to man. And centibites. But also, like, we don't know how long
2: the house was, like, uh... Unoccupied, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes. Unoccupied. So like we don't even know if like it needs an inspection, if it needs like plumbing hooked up, if it needs electricity, like any of the. Just there's so much shit that should be done in this house, but well, you know it's yeah. a movie, so. How well long let, we'll he, go yeah? With how it.
1: long has he been gone? Did they turn off the power because he hasn't paid the bills?
2: All that. You think Frank paid a single bill while he yeah. was there? Ha,
1: ha. I will bet you that Larry was paying the bills for the house. Oh
2: God, yeah. I could. See I bet he was. That.
1: He's the kind of person that yeah. would do that.
2: Oh man, Larry! Larry, <laughs> classic Larry. So, so now, okay. So, we, but we know they have water in the house because Kirsty's coming over and she's making some tea or something, and the, and the the water goes crazy, and she gets her shirt all wet, and then goes upstairs to find a towel, and then like interrupts Julia having her daydream about Frank.
1: Yeah, Julia has several flashback daydreams about her time with Frank. Yeah, and at this point. There are two sleazy moving men. It's like, like from Central Casting. We need two fat, disgusting, sleazy men that's going to undress all the women with their eyes. And it's like, and these two just popped up. And it's like, we're going to use hey. these two. Yeah,
0: did you go for a sleazy guy? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I got sleazy gotta, guy
1: number one. You got sleazy
2: guy number two. Cool, good,
1: nice boobs. And I'm, sur- and we keep saying this, but I, I, I'm surprised they didn't get used later. But we'll get to that. <laughs> So, so, okay,
2: so now we, like, jump forward a little bit, and they're moving in. Yes. And so, so so I love the fact that they hired the two movers, but Larry is still helping them, because, of course,
1: Larry is helping them. Of course, them. Larry would.
2: Even though he paid them to do this, he's still helping.
1: And, and they're they- half asking it. They're asking for beer and- yeah.
2: And Larry's like, I'll go get your beer. It's not, That's fine. I'm paying you to move myself. Let me get you beer. Okay,
1: and So this leads to the scene which he's moving the mattress and you see this rusty nail mm-hmm. sticking out of the wall and his hand. And it's like, to me, that was the most tense part of the movie because <laughs> I, I know it's going to happen. Uh-huh. And, and it's like little stuff like I recently did a podcast about the fly. And to, oh. me, and to me, the worst part about the fly is when they're arm wrestling and that piece of bone. Oh, it's, like, st-
2: it's like stretching. Like, yeah, right and before. it sticks yeah. out
1: through his... I yeah. know he's going to cut the shit out of his hand on his nail, which sure compared is. to all the other stuff that's going to happen in this movie is minor. But I'll... Yeah, ah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like a slightly... A uh, truncated version of the eyeball scene in *Zombie
1: 2. In *Zombie 2. yep. <laughs> even and if you
2: haven't seen the movie, you know that scene. You
1: know that. Even if you haven't seen the movie, that's a pretty famous scene.
2: That's what I just said. I said even if you haven't. Oh, I'm seen sorry. Zombie. I thought you yeah. said
1: he cuts his hand on the nail. Frank has this aversion; he can't stand the sight of blood. And
2: not and not just cut like cuts his hand like his hand like like as like. Like, like, you can't see my hands because it's a podcast, but, like, his hand, like, jams into the mail, nail. And then, like, because they're pulling the mattress, the mover guys are just pulling continuously while his hand is in the nail. So his nail is just, like, <clears throat> just, like, shredding the shit out of his hand. It is, yeah. like, upsetting to watch.
1: It is. And he goes into the room where, uh, what the fuck is his wife's name? Julia! Julia! <laughs> He goes into the room where Julie is at, and he's bleeding all over the place, and Mm -hmm. blood is just dripping on the floor. Even though I do feel sorry for Larry at this point, I'm like, for Christ's sake, man, this man, because he's like, he's like a four-year-old. I cut my hand! He just, he just hands his bloody hand to her. Do something!
2: I'm gonna- But if he has, like, a legit phobia of I blood, under, he, Yes, he can't help that. Like, but I also don't disagree because it is very silly to see this, like, grown man going, like, I can't help is it? But also a phobia is a phobia. But but we know that this bleeding on the floor is very important because they keep cutting away to the floor and just we hear that very deep, uh, exaggerated plunk of, like, the blood hitting the floor. So we're like, oh, oh, something's about to Yeah. Happen.
1: Well, she doesn't even take him to the hospital. She's no, like- she does. No, no, she, she gets like, the daughter, too. She's like, you take it. Oh, right, 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 right.
2: But she's like, oh, it's going to need stitches. But then, yeah, it's going to need them.
1: stitches. You go.
2: <laughs> Julia's got to go be in her bunk for a few minutes.
1: <laughs> and then we see the floor absorb the blood.
2: Mm-hmm. And then
1: underneath the floor, we see this heart beating.
2: The hellbound heart.
1: The blood has reactivated re- Frank. And we see him. We see this bubbling. And then we keep cutting to the rats. I get, you know, like the symbol, like only the rats are seeing this happening. And this reminded me a lot of the thing, uh-huh. the practical effects with this, yeah, because yeah. we see these two arms come out. We see him partially form. Yeah. And the blood has re- rejuvenated him. It's only a small amount. So it only rejuvenates a small amount.
2: He's basically the blood is like, he's kind of pulling himself back together. Yes. But do you know how they did this effect? Because I really don't. Cool. So the way it comes, it's, it's so hard to, to describe it because it's such a visual thing, but like it starts off just like bloody and like, and bubbling and gooing. And then it starts off very kind of low to the ground. And then as he's like building up and it's kind of like, kind of growing and getting more of like a body, a big mushy kind of center. And then the legs kind of like pop up or his arms, I think it's the arms probably like one goes this way, one pops up, and goes this way. But it's like growing back into itself. So how they did that was the whole thing was actually a big wax sculpture creation that they melted down and then rolled the film in reverse. Oh, so, good. yeah. So it's actually, you know, the when it's coming all back together, it's wax melting down. But, but not,
1: it looks see, so cool. It looks so good. And it's stuff like that that we just miss in today's movies. It's, yeah. Yeah. If it was today, it would have been computer generated. Computer no, I mean,
2: generated, and generate, it would looks stupid. Yeah, no. This is why I love older movies like Hellraiser and The Exorcist and The Thing, is because they have well, all that's the practical uh, effects. Even though and they you don't like so much better,
1: even though you don't like Friday the Thirteenth, the kills mm. a lot. Like Tom Savini's kills are fantastic yeah. in those movies.
2: Oh yeah, it's just it just it has such a different feel when it's a practical effect, and you can tell that there's something there. And even though it might be a little. Like some somebody said
1: and I, I forget but there's a quote practical effects don't look real but you feel that they're real but computer effects look real but you know they're not real and it's something like that yeah, where it makes sense where you know those practical effects you can I mean you you know that's not but it looks it looks great and even though these computer effects may look seamless they don't look it's really? like too.
2: it's like too perfect
1: it's too perfect yes frank sort of reincarnates to a point and then we cut to a dinner party
2: because <laughs> nothing makes me want to eat like seeing a big ball of goo reform and who, who they don't explain who these i guess these people are friends i mean one would assume friends co-workers um so it's it's larry uh it's julia it's kirstie and then like Two couples that never really get introduced and then the guy that then becomes like the vague love interest for Kirsty, yes. even though he doesn't matter at all. I don't
1: know. Was he a son of one of the couples? Maybe. Or like a... Yeah, we'll
2: go with that. That makes I don't know. It's, it's never psychology. explained.
1: And Julia. I remembered her name, Julia. There you go. And so this is the 80s. So people are smoking inside. So mm-hmm. Julia like chain smokes through this entire movie. And he's doing tricks with a cigarette to impress uh Kirsty, Kirsty. yeah Kirst- oh it's,
2: there's a yeah it's the weirdest grossest uh uh what is oh damn it what's the phrase uh god oh that, i can't there's a there's like a phrase these kids use these days which is like uh um i'll think of it in like 20 minutes and i'll just yell it out randomly but yeah he's got like a like a a lit cigarette i think it's yes lit, in his mouth like normally and then like his tongue like sucks it, like flips it back into his mouth, and he closes his mouth, and then flips it back out, and then like side eyes looks over Kirsty, like, hey, check this was, and she is eating it up.
1: She loves it.
2: Like you're flooded her basement.
1: I was and like, here's the it is, and here's the th- this is, he's not your typical young leading man. He's he looks like Ducky's cousin. Like he's, yes, he's not. He's cute. I think
2: he's, he's cute, yeah. but he's not. He's not like a Rob Lowe kind of Tom Cruise kind of no. guy. He's and maybe, and maybe
1: that's why he has he he's developed tricks like that. Is it's like I'm not. Maybe I'm not the best looking guy in the world, but I have the most confidence and huh? and one of those things because confidence when he's with goes her, confidence does go a long way. I wouldn't know that, but that's what I do. <laughs> well, Julia excuses herself. She has a headache. She doesn't even give that an excuse. She goes, the, I'm just, oh, going she's to, just." She says, "I'm going to, I'm going bed. to right. bed." He's like, "Is everything okay?" And she's just like, "Yeah." She yeah, doesn't even t- doesn't even offer. I could hear like a headache, maybe. Yeah. But she doesn't even offer an excuse. She's just like, "I'm going to bed." She hugs and kisses everybody goodnight except for her husband. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but but like we should. Oh, be oh, I'm sorry, I'm
1: sorry. But they do this in this movie, and I can't stand it. And I've never seen it done in real life, where his grown daughter kisses her father on the lips I oh have. yeah that happens in all in movies all the time i have i have never ever uh-huh. seen that happen in real life where a daughter or a son kisses the or, mother yeah. Uh, yeah i've never seen that that is a that is a movie thing that does not exist in real life unless there's something going on
2: yeah no i concur i've never seen that in real life either and every time i see it in a movie i'm like but well, why yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> what what is wrong with the cheek why? <laughs> so uh, and then uh, when the Julie goes to bed then the, the guests are like, "Oh, we should be heading out." And the Larry's like, "No, sit down. We're drinking shots, shots, you want a shot? But like <laughs> or, orange whip, orange whip,
1: orange whip. Three orange whips. <laughs>
2: So they stay and they're drinking, and then Kirsty gets up at some point. Um... Well, no,
1: she goes upstairs and she discovers Frank.
2: Uh, oh, Julia does not Julia, Kirstie. not okay.
1: Christy. Julia, yeah, yeah, yeah Julia yeah, goes yeah. upstairs and she discovers Frank. Yes, and so there's a couple of scenes. I mean, <laughs> well, you got to suspend your disbelief. She sees this massive half man flesh thing on the ground, and she doesn't get the fuck out of there. <laughs>
0: Me oh. who are you? I said, don't look. Help me. Um, tell me who you are, Frank. No. No. Believe me. It's me. It's really me. His blood on the floor. It brought me back. back. Where? Just help me, will you? Please, God, help me. <laughs>
2: Like he looks kind of like the toxic avenger at yes, this point. At this like, point. Like on the floor. I think he's like got vague stumpy legs. He does. But he's, but, but but he's walking
1: like, with he's walking with his arms at this point. His legs yeah. have not fully formed.
2: Yeah, so he's like
1: halfway there.
2: Whoa, he's halfway there. Whoa. Santa bites a scare. Uh anyway, so um yes, I agree. The fact that she just doesn't run screaming back downstairs is
1: weird so this is why frank was dubbed that's not the same actor who does when he starts to become more when he starts getting flesh on his body that's yeah. not the same actor who frank was at the beginning of the movie that's a different guy and that's ah. his and that's his voice that was dubbed on frank at the beginning ah, of the movie so they okay. sound the same
2: okay so they must have wanted like the very handsome like dirty
1: Bad boy. I, I don't Frank, know Frank
2: and human Frank.
1: I I don't know why they didn't have the same actor do both. Maybe the I
2: would assume it's a stunt thing. It's like probably that's probably yeah. right.
1: Yeah, and she and he's like, it's Frank. Don't look at me.
2: <laughs> She's like, no problem because you are disgusting. But then he very quickly and easily, very quickly. <laughs> Like she's like, oh Frank, oh, but you only got like half a body. You're like all, you're kind of mushy. Cool, I'm on board. I remember how hot you were. We'll get back there. Like, way, way too fast. She's way, on board with this whole thing. Way
1: too fast. And now, so Kirsty comes upstairs, mm-hmm. and uh, Julia's like comes out, and they have they have a you know Kirsty goes to the be- Kirsty is drunk at this point. Oh,
2: she's like holding onto the wall. She's so drunk.
1: Kirsty and Julia have this awkward interaction where I don't even think they say anything. Or she says, are you okay? And Julie doesn't say a word. and yeah. But Julie is trying to keep make sure she doesn't go into the room where Frank is at. Right. And I
2: think because we don't, because the viewer at this point doesn't know what the deal is, um, but what is going to quickly become clear is that Frank needs more people to fully form. So even what, though Julie doesn't And what becomes know, clear
1: later is Frank wants to have sex with Kirsty.
2: Well, I mean, so does every guy in this movie. Like that becomes also clear. Not Julia, Kirsty. Well, I said every guy. What? Every guy's also like you know pining after Kirsty. Also, the the sleazy movie guys, the movers are like gaping at her, and every, everyone wants to. This is this movie is very horny, <laughs> just across the board. Um, but but yeah, so uh, Kirsty, it almost seems like Kirsty might go into the room, and then something will happen, but then. Ducky comes looking for her and she gets she escapes back downstairs. Kirsty's fine for now. Um and then I think they have this like random little cutscene where like Julia and Frank are figuring out what's happening next, and then Ducky's walking Kirsty back to her place. Well,
1: there's a random shot of Julia and Frank in bed, and Julia is up in bed, and you know, Frank is he's dreaming and he's asleep. And then it flash Julia flashes back to
2: Wait, Frank or, or Larry?
1: Larry. I'm sorry, she's a midwife Larry, you know. but she she flashes back to Frank. Yeah.
2: Remembering how re- hot he was.
1: Yes, and goes, would you do anything for me? Yes.
0: Anything. Mm-hmm.
1: So we get that, and then we cut to Kirsty and Ducky walking, I guess he's walking her home. He's walking her home, yeah. which is
2: very nice. He's a nice little guy. He's a know? nice
1: guy, and... We, I'm
2: pro-Ducky. I was pro-Ducky in the actual movie he was in, but, you know.
1: I do appreciate the fact that Kirstie is set up as the heroine mm-hmm. and she doesn't get any help from Ducky. No. And I appreciate that. I appreciate that Ducky didn't come in and save the day at the end. Kirstie yeah. is I think the he's heroine. literally
2: I think he's literally there to get her out of the house a few times. Because, like, this this situation, she, like, gets, you know, distracted by him and avoids Frank. And then they walk home and then we get this. I think the only reason this next s- scene is here, so they can have their vague flirtation and awkward kiss. And then they continue their walk. And then we have a creepy homeless guy watching them from a corner. And Kirstie, like, feels his eyes in the back of her head, like, turns around. And he's, like, very, like, be- he looks like Robin Williams in a Jumanji before he before he shaves his face. And he's just, like, staring at her with these like, crazy blue eyes. And she's like, ah. And, and we don't know what that's about. And we won't know what that's about till a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we only needed that scene to get that one shot. Yes,
1: we need to introduce that character. The homeless for person. Reasons. For yeah. reasons. For reasons. And then we cut back to the house. And Julia goes into the room with Frank. And she's like, I'm going to help you.
2: Yeah, I'm in.
1: So the next day, she leaves for... It looks like she's going to leave for work. We assume. So this... I don't know if this was an indictment on men in general just being sleazy. What what her plan is, she's going to go out, pick up men, bring them back, kill them, and Frank is going to absorb their blood. Yeah. And she picks up the first guy like that. Yeah. Now, all I'm saying is, if you needed... If you were, had all your flesh torn for your body and you needed me to seduce women to bring them back <laughs> so you could absorb their blood, you would still be a half-formed corpse. Because <laughs> I would still out there be trying to seduce women to get back to the house. But these men are just like, my dick is out. Let's go fuck in your house. And it's just-
2: I mean, I want to stick up for men in general but also i feel like nine out of time ten nine out of ten times if a woman walks up to a guy's like hey do you want to go have sex right now the guy's gonna be like sure it's like yeah i'll ask questions later uh so i don't think it's it would be that difficult maybe maybe she could have had like a couple failed attempts but
1: she Well, the is first in...
2: one she doesn't even try. he comes on to her <laughs> but also it was the 80s and i feel like that's kind it of what was happened the 80s, like and yes. Like, Women but weren't, like, so much the uh, aggressors of that. However, point.
1: it was the 80s. However, this was right in the middle of AIDS as well, in the uh, 80s.
2: Yeah. Maybe, like, the beginning of everything. Because 87 was kind of, I think, when things were, like, starting to pick up, pick, like, get noticed and things were just starting to come out. Now I'm sad. Let's let's backtrack. Yes.
1: <laughs> let's, go, let's just go to murder to get that... <laughs> That's AIDS way taste, happier. That age taste out of her mouth.
2: Oh no! Please don't put that in the podcast.
1: <laughs> AIDS taste? Yeah.
2: Oh, don't say it twice. Okay, so now Julia's picked up, and here's the thing that I think is I think is the biggest flaw in this plan. She's not, um, p- she's not picky with who she's picking up. It, meaning, she's taking home this. We assume just the one guy. <laughs> it's not just the one guy, mm. but like these. Well to do, businessy type guys who probably have friends, coworkers, family, somebody that will miss them and notice that they're gone because they're about to be gone.
1: So here's what I thought I uh-huh. thought, okay, I'll call the moving men back because they're a couple of sleazeballs. I'll say, oh, I need some stuff moved. You call the moving men back. And then, I, yeah. cause, so I thought they would be brought back, but they weren't. Yeah. But yes, this first guy is a business guy and he picks her up. Mm-hmm. And they go back to her house, and it looks like she's going to back out of it, but she doesn't. And he gets weirdly really aggressive. And he takes, she takes him upstairs to Frank's room. Yeah. And he's like, and and, and once again, no no alarm bells are going on. I, I, there's I, one thing about being horny, but, <laughs> but, but being stupid, it's like yeah. she's taking you into this room where there's, it's just, it looks like the attic. It's not well kept. You can hear rats squeaking. She's like, "Let's just do it on the floor." It's like, no, <laughs> no alarm bells go off. And he's like, "Sure, I'll fuck on the floor." It's like, oh yeah. god, this you is a naughty what? girl, aren't you? You deserve, you deserve to die, buddy. Yeah. Um,
2: but then, so then, so then they're up in the attic, and she subtly locks the door behind her and leaves uh, the key he, in the door, leaves, which he can use, which he can turn and open the door. Realize. But he doesn't because he, they're like making out, sort of. And then he takes off his pants to reveal the very sexy Tai two And then immediately he needs to go pee. So, like, he got all the way here. Honestly, took off his pants. I, can,
1: I can totally identify with that. I, <laughs> even though I don't drink, I could totally, it's like, oh, you know what? I, I do have to pee before we get started. So.
2: <laughs> but then he goes to leave. Uh oh, can't leave. And he's like, What's up with that? And then
0: whack.
1: She hits him with she has a claw hammer. And yep. she hits him with the hammer. And there was a scene where there is a scene that had to be cut, or also sort of an X-rated, where the claw hammer was buried in the guy's head. And they, they had to cut that to get an R rating. But she mm-hmm. but she hits him in the back of the head, she hits him in the jaw, and it's like I said, he hits the floor. Nice practical effects of mm-hmm. it looks like he just got beat with a hammer. Well, she did. And then Frank absorbs his... He, ab-
2: he like, crawls in and, like, kind of hunches over him.
1: So, yeah, it, so he absorbs his blood, I guess, and it just shrivels up. And so there's just this little corpse on the floor. So she goes into the back. She's covered in blood because she mm-hmm. beat this guy. Nope. And she washes her face, but not her chest. So she comes back <laughs> in the room. Her face is clean, but her chest is still covered in blood.
2: And then Frank is still bloody and, like, goopy, but now he's got legs. He's now got he's legs. He's
1: standing. So we're getting there. We're getting there. He's like, come here. I want to touch <laughs> you. And he does the he does a 16-year-old boob grab. He just reaches out and grabs <laughs> her boob.
2: <laughs> and then he does, I think it's the scene where he does the weirdest, grossest thing, where he, like, reaches out and, like, it would be sexy if he wasn't like half corpse, but like has her his like thumb and like rubs like over her lips, but then it was, like leaving blood streaks across her mouth. Right. It's Here's so the gross. thing: in the
1: flashback, that was her move where she took Frank's thumb and ran it over her lips.
2: Oh, I oh, I know, but I'm yeah. saying, but it's no, no, no I blood. understand yeah. completely.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then at yeah. this point, Larry comes home, mm-hmm. so she she gathers up this corpse, <laughs> and. And like, hides it you? somewhere in the house, and then she locks herself in the bathroom. And God damn it, Larry, he comes upstairs, and she's like, "I'm sick." What, hey, babe. He's like, he's really concerned about her. Can yeah. I get you anything? You, you think, perhaps a
2: whiskey or a something. Brandy. Has, a brandy.
1: A brandy. A brandy. You got it, babe. You want me to cook you a meal? I
2: want to do a? She's background. like, "I'll be down right now.
1: No hurry." It's like, God damn it, Larry. Or a Larry. Larry. <laughs> Larry. <laughs> 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 and
2: then we cut to. The new, the next scene, which for at first was like what? Because it's such a weird jump. But we're in a pet store now, and we don't know what the hell we're doing in a pet store. But apparently, this is the job that Kirsty got. Yes, this is working in a pet store. I don't think she knows anything about pets. Like, she doesn't
1: because she, yeah. people are complaining. She's like, you got the boss is at lunch. I don't know what to do.
2: Yeah, um, and so this scene would be also completely useless except for. She notices there's a weird guy in the corner, kind of like hunched over one of the little tanks. And she's like, hold on, what's going on? She gets closer. It's the homeless guy from before with his hand buried into a box of crickets and just chowing down. Full on eating crickets. And she's like, hey, (laughs) First, first she goes, give those back. Which I always I'm like, what did you expect him to just put them back in your hand? That's
1: but pro- then it- that's probably part of the like the part that they Ackroyd and them saw where they were laughing. Right. And that's like they were they were laughing and scared. That's that's yeah. probably one of the main parts where they were laughing. It's like give back right. those crickets.
2: Right, because it's like, what the fuck? But I, I I, will acknowledge that's probably the moment of, like, before, like, the brain connects whats what you're seeing with what's happening, because I'm sure there's a moment of, like, you're stealing crickets? Give those back! And then realizing, oh, you're eating them! Oh, you're fucked up! But then, she also, like, very confidently and, like, boss bitch, uh, like, walks him out. She's like, get out of here! And then, like, follows him out, like, arms crossed, just, like, making sure he leaves. And I'm like, and he just and he leaves and he he's gone, and I think at this point we hear like a weird like fluttering of wings or something. Something like, like that. There, there's but, something odd about this guy, but we don't know what it is yet.
1: But then the boyfriend comes in and she snaps yeah. out of it,
2: right? And then everything's fine until. And then it's the montage now.
1: It's the montage, uh, where she picks up another guy. Julia. Julia picks up another guy, and he's like. Uh, <clears throat> Are we going to be interrupted? I don't want to... I I like to be careful. And then there's a... a, And then once again, it's sort of a comical cut where you see him just flying back against the wall because he's just been hit in the head with a hammer.
0: Yeah.
2: And so... And there's like a few of these guys. There's like a... There's a few of them that she gives to Frank. And he's like... He's getting there. He's getting layers, and he, at some point he says, "Like my nerves are, are reconnecting. I feel pain again." He's, and he's, he's, like, sm- got-
1: he's smoking. and He's, he's smoking. Like, I, 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 I can taste that. First and, thing I've tasted in years. And he's 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 wearing clothes now because apparently he's mod <laughs> he's modest now. I don't want <laughs> I don't I, want her to look at my veiny penis. Um,
2: <laughs> but also the clothes are just like bloodstained everywhere because he's still
1: goopy. It looks great. It looks oh oh yeah. It looks great. He's in this he's in a suit but it's still gloppy because of the skin it looks it yeah. looks like a zombie in a suit and it looks fantastic yeah. it looks well, once it's again very cool. once again practical effects great in this for a one million dollar movie the mm-hmm. practical effects are fantastic mm-hmm. um, and
2: and and then it, and then it's the um Julia's at home with Larry, and he's watching a boxing Boxing. match. And and Larry is like full on, like doing like the fists up, like punching the screen as though he's like playing knockout. Which is
1: something you wouldn't think that Larry would enjoy boxing, from what we've seen up till now. But because he doesn't like he doesn't like the sight of blood. Where you're getting a lot of. But another one of the continuities is his bandage is gone, and there's no giant scar on his hand from Uh, where the nail uh, ripped. So I was just like, okay. Like I said, nitpick, but I noticed yeah. that.
2: Um, and while and while he's doing this, Julia's just like like laying on the couch, just like hand on one fist, like just kind of like absently watching. And Larry's like, punch, punch in the air. I thought you didn't like boxing. I thought it grossed you out. Punch, punch. And she's like, nah, I've seen worse. And we all, and we the audience go, ha, 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 ha. We know what that So means.
1: once again, more of the comedy, which is what Aykroyd was looking for um, or right. looking or, or adopted. Right.
2: I'm assuming that when Nackard saw this, he went, this is 95% horror, 5% comedy. I'm going to flip it to 95% comedy, mm-hmm. 5% horror. Mm-hmm. And it was not quite. A, I haven't seen Nothing But Trouble, but from what I read online, whew, it seems like an experience.
1: It is. Um, I yeah. enjoy it. And like in the article you sent me, it is now coming around. People are now accepting it as a cult <laughs> classic. Yeah.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Reading, reading the description, I was like, oh, I knew nothing about it until you brought it up whatever that was. So I there was a lot in this article that so I So anyway,
1: upstairs, <laughs> Frank starts going crazy and starts Cuz
2: he's now getting he's getting stir crazy. He's got legs, he can taste, he can feel things, he's yeah. he you know, he wants to fuck. So he's now just like pacing back and forth like a hamster
1: in a cage. Not only that, but he starts punching the walls. And Larry hears this and he's like mm-hmm. and so and this is one of the most awkward scenes. It's just awkward to watch. He's going to go upstairs and check it out and Julia's like, "No, don't go. I'm it's storming outside. I'm afraid of the thunder. I'm here, baby." And they go, and it's just it's just so awkwardly. I can't explain yeah, it, it. It's just you just have to watch it how awkward it is. And she goes I, yeah, he goes into the room and Frank is not in the room and he's like, "See, it's just rats." Like that's supposed well, to make her feel better. It's just rats.
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, compared to what we know was in the room, yes. I would feel great about rats. But I think this is the one, the one scene where we get an idea that Julia does care about Larry on some level, because she's trying to keep him from going to the room because she doesn't want Frank to kill him. So she may not want to be married to Larry, she may not want to fuck Larry ever, but she doesn't want Larry to be absorbed by
1: his evil. Brother. Because they go into the bedroom and Larry starts making his moves on Julia, and
2: I think that's, I think that's how she finally gets him like distracted enough, is because she's like, "Hey, why don't you come and like, yeah, come and comfort
1: me?" And then, she does. And then Frank is in the room.
2: So if Larry's on top of Julia and they're like necking or whatever, and so Julia's laying down on the bed. Well, I so think she it's more. I think
1: he's going down on Julia.
2: No, Be- no, 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 no. Because no, well, maybe because but you like, can Fra- see
1: the top. You can. They're not because you can see the top of his head, but you can see Julia's face, and Julia sees yeah. Frank, and Frank has got a he's skinning a rat right in front of her, and she's Sexy. like, "No, don't, no, I can't stand it. No, don't." And I. Uh, and honestly, I thought he's like, he's trying to perform oral sex on her and she's like, oh no, gross, stop it, don't do that. Like...
2: Well, that's the, that's the disconnect because that's what like, because Larry then like stops and is like, I don't understand you. Like you're like, you know, you know, all over me one minute and then now you're saying you can't take it because, because Julia is trying to distract Larry to get him away from Frank. But then Frank, I think was like hiding behind the bedroom Frank was hiding so like
1: in, in the bedroom closet. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so like that's why they didn't see him when they came in. So then Julia, I think, was fine having sex with Larry just to like whatever. But Frank comes up behind him and looks, and I'm I'm thinking that Frank is skinning the rat, being like, "This is about to be Larry in two seconds" because he's getting closer. And I think that's why Julia's saying, "No, please, no, I can't take it." Like, "No, please," she doesn't want him to kill Larry. No, no, Larry she's thinks,
1: saying, "No," she's saying it to Frank. Yes, I get that. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And but then but then Larry thinks he's saying it to her, right. And then it's. Right, so then, it, but then the Frank does back off. So Larry,
1: that just reminds me of scene. that of a Seinfeld episode where they were talking about oral sex, and George is like, "You ever been doing it?" And you get the tap on the shoulder, like, "Yeah, it's time." It's like, oh, it's like, uh, it's like when the manager comes out to the mound and asks for the ball. It's like, uh, like <laughs> <laughs> you
2: know what? while you lunch to get some Gatorade? I, yeah, I'll finish yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> uh... That's a whole okay, different podcast. <laughs> Uh, so, um, the next scene is yeah. Larry at dinner with his daughter, Kirsten. Kirstie. Kirstie. He's like, I don't know what's going on with her. She's, in a
2: Which is, on the one hand, nice that, like, father-daughter bonding time, that they can have this open dialogue. But also, on the other hand, I'm like, eh, maybe a therapist would be better for this? Or, like, a friend your own age? That, well, like, the reason he listen. has
1: dinner with her is, to t- but he wants, it's like, maybe Th- if you, she, yeah. maybe if you come over, maybe yeah. all she needs is a friend. Could you yeah. come over and talk to her?
2: right and kirstie she, she, they clearly Kirsty and julia never get along but not like actively and Kirsty's like okay i will try but, harder. but she
1: clearly loves her father and it's like yes. okay i'll oh, do yes. this for, i'll do this for dad
2: yeah well oh yeah she's the she's the 20 year old in movies that still calls him daddy which i st- also never understand why i'm like you're an adult <laughs> you're an adult please stop um but also i just can't do that to Maybe, maybe some grown women still call their dad's daddy, and that's not weird for them, but I think it's weird. Well, she comes um, over
1: the next day, and then she sees Julia taking a man mm-hmm. inside the mm-hmm. house.
2: huh mm-hmm.
1: And she's naturally curious. This bitch. Curious. Yeah.
2: Well, because the immediate thought is, oh, no, she's cheating on my dad, which right. is which not is, wrong.
1: Which is not wrong, but in a roundabout yeah. way. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. And also, like, a very fair assumption to make based on the very, you know, the image. No, no, and, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then she, like follows them inside, I
1: think no, she she has to go in through the back because they the, they lock the front she locks the front door, right.
2: but she goes into the house. she, she follows gets them into she the gets
1: house. into the house, yeah, yeah, and at this point, and this guy, I will give this guy credit. The minute he walks into the room, he's like, "What's up with this?" But it's yeah, but it's too late because at this point, Frank is Frank's able to take take care of the bodies himself. so, yeah. So yeah. he walks in. He sees Frank and and uh, he and the guy uses Julia as a shield. Frank eventually gets this guy, and Julia walks outside. And then Kirsty, uh, Kirsty, Kirsty, and Julia are upstairs. And then, you know, they meet. Uh, eventually, Kirsty gets into the room with Frank. That's where that you leads. Should, well,
2: yeah, because Kirsty. Uh... Like, I think Julia, like, hears a noise in the house and she goes to investigate, but Kirstie's, like, going the opposite way. So they don't see each other first because Kirstie's in the staircase going up. And then the the guy, the, like, the, the, I, I keep wanting to say simp because, uh, but the, the you know, sacrificial man um, is not, like, immediately dead. Oh, becomes, that's like, right. Staggering, he comes he staggering. staggering out, out like, help me. Yeah. And Kirstie's like, what the fuck? Which is also a very fair uh, thing yeah. to say. And then Frank comes out. It's like, oh, hey, it's Frank. It's Uncle Frank. <laughs> and, hey, how you been?
1: <laughs> and this is awkwardly staged, where, once again, you see a guy with no skin. You don't run the yeah. fuck out of there. She yeah. th- Somehow Frank gets her around into the... He grabs her jacket, and he takes the jacket off, and he gets her into the room. And it's like, it's me, Frank. It's Uncle Frank. I, I kind of like... Whilst it was, like, obviously
2: employ to get Kirsty in her like you know plain white t-shirt for like multi um ultra um what the fuck is the word um the maximum blood you know on white uh for later but it was a cool maneuver how like frank's like grabbing her jacket to like pull her closer and instead of getting all trapped in that she just like like just slides out of the jacket so he's just holding the jacket and she's like nope fuck that i'm out of here I yes but was, then like, she actually, runs like, into I a still... room
1: where there's no exit <laughs> well,
2: it's it's a new house. She doesn't know the layout of the house yet.
1: She yes, because we, we have all those outside
2: doors on the second floor. You know what? If I had seen a guy being murdered and absorbed by, I would go the other way, who, not into the room. But I would also be a little turned around, so I don't blame her for. You I mean, can't I be mean. turned around when there's not, when it's right in front of you. Point is, she's now in the other room. Frank is uh, is like coming at her, and
1: she's. He's not only coming at her; he's being he's being pervy. He's like, yeah, oh, yeah, he's like, you grew up, you look good. Hey, hey, come give Frank a kiss. He, he's so wild. And he says, he says, come to daddy. And come to daddy. And that's going to be important later. And, and there's nothing in this room. This is like just like
2: the empty, like, gut, blood and guts room. Well, we've room.
1: seen that Frank has now nailed the rats to the walls. So we see these like, half live rats. Just...
2: Yeah, so he's nesting a little bit. Yeah. So there's nothing in there for her to defend herself with, except the puzzle the box. puzzle. So she picks it up and like 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 he like makes like she's gonna heave it at him, and immediately he's like, "Give that to me!" And so she has this moment where she's about to like lob it at his head, and then like stops. She's like, "What? Oh, this? Oh, you want this? All right, well, go get it!" And then she just like chucks it out the window, which is the stupid thing. Like it was a bold move, but it worked because he was distracted enough by it going flying out the window that he's like, "No!" And then like gets distracted, she can run by him. No, she doesn't so, have to
1: run by him! The door is behind her!
2: Is it behind her? Yes! All she I'm, has I'm, to do was run out! I'm, I'm, like, I'm like skipping through the scene as we're talking about it. The door's in front, because he's like walking in front of the door. Whatever. Either way, she just scraps some, He's like, my box! And then she runs out. And now, and she runs out, and she... Again, she's a very smart screen bo- queen. She, she knows uh, that enough.
1: She, she purses her way past Julia. Julia tries to block her, I believe. And and, and she, it doesn't matter. Awkward. She gets out of the house um, and she picks up the block. And then she starts walking through New York. Quote, unquote, New,
2: New York. So she's smart enough to know that, like, something's up with this box. I'm going to keep it. But also she's now, like, disassociating because now she's just kind of walking in, like, a catatonic state. Just, like... She's just walking, she's like kind of like vaguely touched, like hanging onto a chain-link fence for dear life, and then she gets... Do you
1: think the box has something to do with that? Um,
2: I don't think so, because like in all the, granted, in all like the Hellraiser lore and like the previous scenes just in this movie, like we've never seen anyone get kind of like loopy or like weak just by being near the box or holding the box. I think she's just in like just literally having a mental breakdown because of what she just saw. Which is fair. Which is That's totally fair, fair. That is a fair reaction. But that so, like, she, like, pass. we assume she, like, passes out or collapses and then gets picked up by, I guess, the, like, a local asylum? Because then she wakes up in a hospital, but it's very much, She wakes like,
1: up in a 1940s hospital. <laughs>
2: like, a 1940s, like, psychiatric
1: ward yeah. hospital. Like, it's a weird...
2: Like cinder blocks, like like the 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 porthole windows, like no windows to the outside. It's it's a little scary, to the point of where like, are they going to let her out of there? And I don't know that they were planning to, but it's also like, well, at least you're safe from Frank.
1: Well, so you find <laughs> a woman. <laughs> why you find a woman passed out on the ground? Why would you naturally assume that she's crazy or she? I, I don't
2: I don't remember if they say this outright, but like it might have been she was like babbling. Or, like, wouldn't hold on. She wouldn't let go of the box. So she wakes
1: up, and the doctor comes in and takes the box out of his pocket and says, you were holding on to this for dear life. Does it mean anything to you? And she's like, I can't remember. Yeah. Well, you're obviously insane. We're locking you in this room and never letting you out.
2: (laughs) And then leaves the box. Here, you you, you sit with your box and think about it. And maybe this will jog your memory. And they
1: lock her in. So this can't be a real hospital, because I've never seen a real hospital where they're able to lock a patient in their room.
2: It's just like, I mean, I I get that, like, they needed her to be locked in. I understand
1: for why. Mo- for the movie. But, yeah, yeah. It, but yes. in,
2: in the in the reality that this movie ex- re- exists in, there's no reason why she should be locked in a hospital. None at room. all. None. But for the movie, she needs to be locked in because she sits with the box and is suddenly like, oh, what is this weird thing I've never seen before? And then, like, and then kind of becomes entranced by it and starts fiddling with it and then also gets, like, all sweaty and kind of, you know...
1: And she, you know, and she solves the, the box, and the hospital wall opens, and she walks through it, and when she gets, she goes down this hall, and this, the, I, is, I get is this a Cenobite as well? I guess it's. Um,
2: the one that's, like, in the hallway? Yeah. And I don't, you know, I don't know if that qualifies as a Cenobite. I always assume that Cenobites were, like, walking around can be uh, independent of the hellscape. Um, and this guy seems more tied to the house. Well, game, this, so maybe... a
1: monster is in the hallway. A monster. A monster. And it chases her back into her, her room. And when she gets to the room, the door, the door closes, but then all four of the Cenobites mm-hmm. show up. And so this is really in, it's like most people think Pinhead is the mm-hmm. bad guy of Hellraiser, but it's really Frank and Julia. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's like the Mandela effect, where people mm-hmm. remember, it's like, oh, yeah, Pinhead's... I think somebody worked it out. I think Pinhead is in this movie for, like, eight minutes.
2: It's like, eight, yeah. minutes oh, of, yeah. eight
1: minutes of screen time.
2: Because he was in the movie for, like, I don't know, a minute tops the very beginning, and now we're, like, an hour and a half into the movie, and now he's finally coming back.
1: Yes, um, so him and the Cenobites are only in this movie for not more than ten minutes. But they make a
2: lasting impression. They do, <laughs>
1: and, and plus, it, uh, Pinhead is on the poster... Like a uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a lot of people mm. think that movie is just bathed in blood, and when you look yeah. at it, there's hardly any blood in that movie at all. So yeah,
2: or like when like Friday the Thirteenth, like Jason is the killer, except in the first one, and it's not Jason exactly at all. yes. So, um, but also, so like Pin- Pinhead's not like a good guy, but he's not the bad guy. He's like the anti-hero. I don't know. That's a whole other. Also, there's like more Pinhead lore that comes in further movies which is kind of fun to so
1: they're they're there to take kirsten back because she solved the puzzle so that's the thing when whoever solves the puzzle has to go back into their realm Mm -hmm. and she makes a deal with them she's like well frank escaped if i take you to frank will you let me go and they say maybe (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because they're like,
2: I don't believe you that someone's escaped. No one's ever escaped. You're totally lying just to get out of being dragged to hell. And she's like, nope, totally I'm not lying. Um, so yeah, they're like, okay, if we if we hear Frank admit it himself that he escaped us, then maybe we'll we'll let you go. Um, they also like at the very very beginning of the movie, uh, I think maybe, Frank's voiceover, he was saying, like, I was looking for the ultimate pleasures, whether it was like heaven or hell, didn't matter. No, no, Which it implies... was, uh,
1: like, uh, no. Uh, once Frank starts to form, uh, Julia yeah. goes, You owe me an expl- explanation, and then, yeah, 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 and then that's when he tells her about the Cenobites and all yeah. that.
2: Yeah. But like, when he says, like, the like, heaven or hell, it didn't matter, it implies that there's like a heavenly, you know, faction that comes out of this box that I have never seen mm-hmm. in like 13 different Hellraiser movies, never seen that version. Um, which I just thought was fine Because I'm like if there's an option of heaven and hell Why would Kirsty not get the good ones Because she's a good person But anyway so the Cenobites are saying Maybe
0: The box You opened it We came It's just a puzzle box! Oh no It is a means to summon us are you? Explorers in the further regions of experience. Demons to some, uh, angels to others. It was a mistake! I didn't, I didn't mean to help, but it, it was a mistake! You can oh, oh, I I to We can't. Not alone. You solved the box. We came. Now you must come with us. Taste our pleasures. Please, go Go away and leave me alone. Oh, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. Wait! 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 wait. No time for argument. You've done this before, right? Many, many times. You. Nobody escapes us. He did. I've seen him. I've seen him. He's alive! Supposing he had escaped us. What has that to do with you? I I could I can, can leave you here! And you you could take him back instead of me! Perhaps we prefer you. I want to hear him confess himself. Then maybe maybe
1: <laughs> we'll tear your soul apart
2: we'll see if we and then how does she get out of there I they i they it out. doesn't
1: they they don't tell us it's like they i just, guess the cinebites just transport her out of there but they but it's never shown how she gets out of the hotel room, out of the hospital room. It
2: just cut it just cuts you. it just yeah because okay. after
1: this we cut to larry oh larry
2: Poor Larry. Poor
1: Larry. Larry's coming home, and Julia yeah. has finally accepted the fact that Larry has to go. Poor Larry. Poor Larry. Poor Larry. And, Larry. and Julia's like, Larry, you gotta go. She's like, Julia's like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. He's like, what? I'm going to have to show you. And then they yeah. cut. Yeah.
2: And then we cut to Julia and Larry having some steamy, steamy sex.
1: Yes. Well, no. But... Then we cut to... Yeah, we cut to Julia. She's sitting at uh, her makeup table or whatever and we see the hand come and so so yes and then once again more graphic gross sex
2: and and then i think it's like after they're done we or even before they have the sex so julie's like chain smoking out the window and she's like waiting for something and then we see like uh in the background like hands and like knuckles are cracking and we're like oh larry finished doing something upstairs but it's like it's a little there's something a little bit off about it so then he comes up behind her Again, and then like like touches her cheek, but then like a blood streak goes yes. across her cheek. So we're like, oh no! Yes. So Larry,
1: uh, yeah, Larry, Larry is gone.
2: Yeah. So now, so when Julia and well, Claude, so then we cut back. To, we cut
1: back to the hospital for a brief scene. The boyfriend has showed up. How he knows where she's at? I don't know. I don't know, but
2: she, she, yeah, he they, shows
1: up, and the nurse is like, I don't know how she's she got, gone. She's gone. Yeah. We'll put out an alert, and he's like, maybe she's gone back to her dad's house. Which she has, so we cut to uh, Kirsten. Kirsten. Julie. Ju- Julia. Kirsty. 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 Yeah. She's like knocking on the door. Dad, Dad, let me in. Julia lets her in. She walks up to her dad, and obviously, I don't know what she's not seeing, but it's <laughs> obvious that there that Larry's yeah. <laughs> Larry's face is fucked up. Uh, like
2: it hit, like that like his head looks like when Jeff Goldblum is like half fly like starting to become the fly like his head is just kind of like drippy goopy and also and his ears like funky and he's and now he's got this like weird look in his eye where he's a little bit like a little crazy yeah, eyes
1: none of that. And I guess maybe if you just ran into a bunch of Cinnabites, maybe you, I was gonna say maybe you yeah, wouldn't if notice you've, that.
2: If you've had the day that Kirsty said, maybe that would not be the weirdest thing you've seen all day.
1: Well, she's um, like, but she's like Uncle Uncle Frank's upstairs. We need to get out of here. Uncle Frank wants to kill you, and he's like, No, no, no! I killed Uncle Frank. Uncle yeah, I took Frank care of it, dead. baby.
2: Everything's fine. Everything's fine. And then Julie's like, Are you sure? Are you sure? I need to see him. I need to go see the body. Which. Is also weird. I don't know that. Like, I get why they need that to happen for the movie, but I also am like,
1: mm, I guess she wants to because if if Frank is dead, then she has to go to the she has to go with the Cinnabites.
2: Oh, that's true. Maybe that's why she needs to. Con- well, she goes see the sees
1: movie. the body and the Cinnabites. The Cinnabites. The Cinnabites <laughs> walk out the out of the wall. like, we want to know who did this. And at this point, she still thinks that that is. Frank and that her dad has right. killed Frank. And she's like, no, right. that's my father. That's not part of the deal.
2: Yeah. Because they, they say, we we want the man who did this. And sh- and she's like, oh, no, 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 no. You can't have my dad. Um, I think... It almost feels like they know that... That, like, the guy on the floor is not Frank. I, it feels like they know something that Kirsty does. They, they might. I don't know how. Um, yeah.
1: Frank finally reveals that he's not Larry because... He's talking to her and he's like, Come to daddy. And then she yeah. realizes, and everybody realizes like, oh and yeah. And then he goes, Enough of this cat and mouse shit. Yeah. So yeah, Julia I... is holding Kirsty and yes. Frank has his knife. Julia thinks that he is going to stab Kirsty, but he stabs mm-hmm. her instead. Yes. And drains her blood. In the ultimate betrayal. And I think she actually says, like, no, not me. Because, because Frank I, wants to have sex with Kirsty, that's yep. why he, he's already had sex with you. You're now yeah. you're, you're not important to him anymore. He wants to have sex yep. with Kirsty before he kills her.
2: Yeah, which I'm also like. But I mean, obviously, he like you. You never ugh, poor again. Like if Julia wasn't such a despicable person, I would feel bad for
1: her. She comes back but, in two, so she's not gone completely. I mean, I know
2: that, but I'm just saying, like the. Just the the naivete of her to think that like Frank was really gonna like run away and live happily ever after. Like, have you met this guy? This guy's awful. He's not gonna you, yeah. do anything. Shh. Uh, so now, so now he like stabs her, drains her blood. Uh, Julia is now a, a husk of a person, and now it's the whole cat. Now it is more. Now cat it is more. Like,
1: so uh, Kirsty runs up into the room. Yeah. And she gets into the room, and then she realizes that that's her dad on the floor, and right. Frank walks in. And basically confe- you know, it's your old uncle Frank, and basically confesses. Yeah. And then the Cenobites come out. Yeah. And, he- and so
2: she had, she had basically like played him. She like got him like kind of like woo, reeled him into the little trap where he in the room where he died in the room where he was resurrected is now making his confession, and then they come back, and Frank's like, "Oh shit, you <laughs>
1: set me up." And then is like, "Yep." And then Pinhead goes, "This isn't for your eyes." And uh, Kirsty starts to leave, and Frank's gonna stab her. And then, all, once again, all the hooks come out and start pulling him in different directions. And for the longest time, she just stands there until she finally leaves the room. And then we
2: get the other classic line where he, where Frank's like all stretched out with the hooks, and his face is all being stretched out again. And then he just goes, "Jesus!" Whips.
1: Okay, I remember laughing my ass off at that Really? Month. I remember thinking that was so hilarious. I just <laughs> laughed and laughed and laughed when that scene happened.
2: Oh, that's so funny because, like, it's I yeah, I don't know. I was a little young to have seen this in the theater, but it's it just just a fun. I don't know. I don't know if I would have thought it was funny. Like, I never think it's funny, but I also am not like scared by it. It's just. It's just a classic line.
1: So um. she runs out, and she's still- Oh, and he,
2: like, explodes. Like, they, yeah. like, pull no, the cart, no, yeah. and he, like, Frank explodes, explodes again. Yeah, yeah. So Frank's done.
1: So she's running out, and she has the box, and then, uh, what is it? Open Throat? What's her name?
2: Yeah, Open Throat. O- open
1: Throat. It's like, you're not leaving us this soon are yeah. you
2: oh but she's but it's, it's an awesome visual cause she's coming up the stairs with her like neck wound thing and then she's got like a hook and she starts like scraping the hook on the wall and the wall just starts bleeding yeah. it's so freaking cool it is and then, and then and she's like wait that, that wasn't the deal we, we, you were gonna let me go and they're like why would we do that
1: so which is fair so Kirsty starts uh, redoing mm-hmm. the box yeah. and as she does this one by one the Cinnabites start disappearing and this yeah. is where the computer, the computer animation, animation yeah. like it's like in those old movies where like electricity, they like has they mm-hmm. draw electricity on it. That happens.
2: It, yeah, and it it's does, like if you, it's yeah. like the uh, like Palpatine, like Sith, kind of like yeah, like
1: that. But but like worse looking, but worse. <clears throat> and so, open throat vanishes, and pinhead vanishes. Well, all four of them do. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, uh, Butterball oh. doesn't, because Butterball half the house falls on him.
2: Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. They don't actually go. Yeah, because Pinhead goes before Open Throat. Yes, yeah, they go. No, no, it goes Open. It order. goes
1: Open Throat. Pinhead. No, Pinhead then Open Throat. Okay. Pinhead then Open Throat and then
2: yeah.
1: Uh, and then, th- house then falls. the house um, falls like, on Butterball, and then the chatterer yeah. goes. Yeah. And then they think it's okay because at this point the boyfriend has arrived. Right, tr- he comes in to try to help, but he kind of does nothing. He does nothing, <laughs> and then the monster from the hallway shows up, mm-hmm. and uh, and this is quite funny. So the box falls out of Kirsty's hand, and the boyfriend picks it up, and he starts trying to fix it. And Kirsty is like, "She just tra- <laughs> like, give me that, you idiot!" She <laughs> and then like elbows him. Yes, it's so funny. it is funny. It's like a aggr- it's aggressive. It's aggressive, but, but then.
2: But then there's like this weird little sequence with her and like the hallway monster where because like the hallway monster comes and scares her. So she drops it and then they have this like it would be more uh, I think it would be scary if it wasn't just so clearly one long take that they like chopped up to edit together. Because it's like both of their hands just kind of scrapping at it and like can't quite get it because they're clawing at each other. And it just it just looks kind of awkward. I think it went on a little bit too long. Um But But she finally gets the thing, the box back. She gets the box back,
1: fixes it, and then... And I guess it sends back all the Cenobites because the house burns down Mm -hmm. and there's nothing but uh, funeral pyres all throughout the yard. And she takes the box and she throws it into one of the fire pits. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then the homeless guy shows up. Yeah. And turns into a winged skeleton creature. Yeah. Grabs the box and flies away. And that, and that was, uh, what was was that, that wasn't stop motion. Was it stop motion?
2: Um, I'm, I'm like, it's playing the, maybe? Because it's,
1: That looks maybe. okay. It doesn't look, it's okay. it doesn't look great, but it looks okay.
2: It could be like puppetry. Cause it, I it think had it had might have been of, puppetry. It yeah. had a little bit of this, but like, because he turns into like this skeleton winged demon thing, but then... And then like it's like a shot of like it flying over the box and Christian and Ducky are like looking after it. And then like the shot kind of 80s style, you know, fades into the center of the box. And then the, we're back at the beginning of the we're movie. We're back at the
1: beginning of the movie and the guy who sold it to Frank is going to sell it to somebody else. Yeah. End of the movie. Oh,
2: uh, end of the movie. And that's funny because as you said that, the movie just ended because I had it playing over here. Um,
1: and that, but, was, so, was, that was Hellraiser from 1987. The reason yeah. we have nothing but trouble.
2: <laughs> so from a very good movie came a
1: movie.
2: Uh I do feel like I should watch nothing but trouble just so that I could see where it, things went from there. Um
1: so yes, this I would say this is a modern horror classic. Oh yeah. Uh don't expect Pinhead to be a major presence in this movie.
2: Well, but like with most horror franchises, when they realize what they have, the sequels have more Pinhead in it yes. because they realize like, Oh sh- people like this character. We're going to have more of this character. Yep. Um, so there's more Pinhead in two, there's more Pinhead in three yep. and four. And then, and four, well, you get, you start getting lore in the next couple of movies. Cause two, you get a little bit more of like where they all came from. Three is goofy, but fun. And then four, you get a lot of lore about how the, the puzzle box even came to be. Um, which is weird because four is like, it, it's a lot of flashbacks and backstory, but it's the stories are being told in space. Yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Oh a, no, there's Pinhead in space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pinhead's in space, <laughs> and Brad Dorff is in that movie. No, no, no. Brad Dorf is in the Leprechaun in Space movie. I am sorry.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say, I'm like, I feel like I remember that. No,
1: yes. Brad um, Dorff is so Leprechauns have gone to space. Jason has gone mm-hmm. to space. Pin. Yep. That's like that's the old joke. You know your well. They use that in Fast and the Furious in like nine. Oh God! They went to space. No, but that's the joke. Oh, okay. That's the joke. Oh, it's like okay. you know, okay. a franchise has jump the shark when they go to space, and then the, did you the, know?
2: Did you know that the the guy who came up with the phrase "jump the shark" was a coworker of my dad's, John Hines? No. Yep.
1: Yes, I didn't. I mean, I know who. I didn't know he was a coworker, but he got that from uh, Happy Days. This the the yeah. Happy Days episode. Yes. Yeah. He used to work on. He was on the Howard Stern show for quite some time. Ah, oh, was he? Yes.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah, they because my dad, my parents are both journalists, so they must have worked together probably at Newsday or another paper at some point. But, um, but so the uh, there, I, I don't know how many total Hellraiser movies they are. I don't recommend watching past four because I don't remember. Then they all blur together at that point. But I do think one through four are worth watching. Um, three is probably the worst of the first four movies, but it's still fun and goofy. Um, and four's got some good. Some good backstory. Lance isn't
1: Hendrickson is in one of the Hellraiser movies. All right, that's it. Emmy, what do you want to promote?
2: Oh, boy. Um, let's see. Uh, Comedy Sports Boston. We have matches every Saturday. Uh, I'm doing a new uh, run of a improvised space western inspired by uh, Firefly. And this, this, we're called June Bug. So we've got match, or sh- <laughs> shows every Friday in April here in Boston. Uh, we're also going to have some cool... Uh, comedy Sports Boston is hosting a, uh, an event where we're inviting people from other cities to come play with us so that's going to be the weekend of 4th of July um, later this summer uh, so yeah, come to Boston for lots of fun comedy
1: things. Alright, that's it uh, I want to thank Emmy for recommending this very tenuous Dan Aykroyd podcast You know what? Fuck off uh, Well, we're going <laughs> to e- end it right there Goodbye <laughs> To support this podcast, please go to www.patreon.com slash scottwhite and give what you're able. If you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. That should help people find this podcast. And no matter what services you use to listen, please leave feedback. We always want to improve. Thank you for listening to the Dan Aykroyd Podcast. You, you want to see something really scary? You bet. Really? Yeah. Okay, This is this is really, really scary now. I trust you. Okay, pull the car over. Pull the car over? You want to see it? Well, show me while I'm driving. No, I can't. I can't tell you about it. So only take a couple of seconds. All right, two seconds, okay? Okay. What is it? Just pull it over. Okay. I'll show you. All right. Okay. Don't scare me. Are you ready? Okay, go ahead.
0: What are you doing? has been a Cross the Streams media podcast. Just one little problem. Sexual? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've never really felt confident in um, one particular aspect. Below the equator? Yeah. Nobody does. You know, nobody knows what to do. You just to close your eyes, you hope for the best. I really think they're happy if you just make an effort. I, I don't know. Last time I got the tap... You got the tap. You know, you're going along. You think everything's all right. All of a sudden, you you get that tap. You know, it's like, all right, that's enough. You're through. The tap is tough. I got the hook. I wish I could get a lesson in that. It's a very complicated area. Uh, You could go crazy trying to figure that place out. It's a hazy mystery. Anyway, I think everything else is okay. <laughs> Unless, of course, she's faking. <laughs>